Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Increase Your Reality with Shane Jones. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the open-minded show for inquiring minds that's known as Inquiries of Our Reality. Today, I have a return guest for you guys, but trust me, this is a totally different conversation than the first time, and I could have this guy on multiple times and still not even cover all of the bases on all the different things that he does research in. So this one's going to be an awesome show. I hope you guys really enjoy it. But before we can get into that, we have to run through the front of house stuff real quick. So if you guys don't mind leaving a rating or review for the show, I definitely appreciate it. It's uh, one good way to help the show grow and to get it into the ears of more listeners. If you guys are feeling nice enough to uh, leave a typed out review on iTunes, then I will definitely read it on the show and of course give you guys a shout out. Uh, if you guys want to help the show grow, you guys can always share it with a friend. Uh, just drop the name if you, if you know of somebody that's into these open-minded topics, or you could always tag them in a specific episode on Instagram or something if uh, there's something that you think somebody might be interested in. If you guys aren't already following me on social media, you guys can pop over on there to get some updates on the show new, when new episodes are coming out, um, see all of the interesting things that I like to find and post. Uh, the one that I'm the most active on, of course, is Instagram, but I do have a Facebook set up for the page, of course. Um if you guys want to pop on to the Telegram or the Discord and have some awesome conversations with some awesome people, I'm still building that up, of course, trying to be a little bit more interactive in there. So the only way that's ever going to grow is with your guys' help. So anything that you guys do, popping in, dropping conversations, opinions, I definitely appreciate. Uh, if any of you guys would like to be a guest on the show, whether you're an author, researcher, experiencer, contactee, open-minded individual, philosopher, uh, abductee, anything like that, anything open-minded, anything interesting. Uh, I definitely want to sit down and have a conversation with you. So don't hesitate to shoot me a message. Uh, you guys can get a hold of me, of course, through Instagram, which is the one that I'm the most active on. Uh, you guys can also email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com, or you can go to the link tree and fill out the submission form up at the top, and that'll go directly to my email. Uh, more often than not, it seems like everything gets pushed into the spam or the junk folder that I send out. I do respond to every single message that I get, so make sure it doesn't get lost in your spam or junk folder. 
Uh, if you guys enjoy the content that I put out, I do do some other shows, one of which is Bizarre Encounters with my two awesome co-hosts, Oren and Jenny. Uh, it lives up to the name exactly what it is, uh, Bizarre Encounters pertaining to aliens, UFOs, uh, the paranormal, cryptids, all that stuff. And we get pretty in-depth with the research in it. Uh, we have some interviews that come on and we dissect their uh, experiences and try to help them kind of figure out what was going on possibly. Uh, we also do some deep dives over there, of course, and we throw in our different theories and opinions on things. So there's always some new interesting stuff going on with Bizarre Encounters. So if you're not already listening to that show, I would definitely appreciate if you guys went and checked that out. And uh, if you guys want to check out Open Minds Media, which is the umbrella for everything that I do, uh, that's a good way to get updates on not just one show, but everything all at once. So uh, the one that I'm the most active as usual, of course, is Instagram. So definitely go and check out the Open Minds Media Instagram page. If you guys want to support the show, there's multiple ways to do so, one of which is becoming one of the awesome Patreon members, such as Brandy or Brian, and uh, supporting through the Patreon, because there you'll get early access to shows, you'll get ad-free shows, you'll get live access to shows, you'll get live replays of shows, which is if you can't make it to the live, you'll get a video format of the show itself. Uh, always building up over there on the Patreon, there's multiple tiers, so figure out which one suits you the best and uh, support the show. Uh, you guys can also donate directly to the show through Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, or through Red Circle, which is the RSS host. Anything that you guys donate, of course, goes directly back into the show. And uh, if you do donate, I will give you a shout out on the show, of course. And if you guys leave a little message or something like that, um, I, you know, I definitely like to read it on the show. Uh, the other way you guys can support the show is by going over and checking out the Open Minds Media merch store, where you'll find merchandise for all the different shows that I do. I put it all under one umbrella, try to make it easy instead of having multiple merch stores. So if you guys do happen to pick up any of the merch, I would definitely appreciate it if you guys didn't mind sending me a picture of you wearing it so that I can give you a shout out, repost on the page, show that the logo's out and about, because it's always cool to see uh, see other people spreading the love with your logos, of course. And uh, if you guys want to check out some more interesting alien, paranormal, cryptid gear, you guys can go and check out Crypto Theology. Joe's always adding new designs. I know that he's been working on a bunch of uh, events that are coming up in the next year. So he's got a bunch of event type designs that he's been working on. Super cool. Even if you're not attending the event, I definitely recommend going and checking it out. Uh, everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Increase of Our Reality Podcast. Or you can go down to the show description and click the link and follow the trail to exactly what you're looking for. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome back to the show, Al Santariga from the Bronxville Paranormal Society. Welcome back, man. Hey, Shane. Thanks for having me back, brother. It's good to be back. So uh, for anybody that may not have gotten to listen to our first awesome episode, and anybody that hasn't, I definitely recommend that you go back and listen to it. Uh, why don't you kind of give them just a brief description of who you are before we get into the nitty gritty on this one? Okay. Um I'm Al Santariga. I'm the founder of the Bronxville Paranormal Society. I'm the director of the New York State Sasquatch Organization, director of the New York State Dogman Project, and director of the New York State uh, UFO Project. I'm also um, a clairvoyant, uh, a clairarient, and all of the, whatever the, all those clairs are that go with the paranormal, with the psychic stuff. That's what I've been told because I do a little bit of everything. So they, they tell me I'm, I'm all of these clairs. I don't even know what they are. And um, um, 
And I'm also a, a New York State MUFON member, uh, chapter member. So, um, you know, all we do, we do all, we do everything. We investigate everything. And nothing is off the table. And I've been doing it for like 50 years. And uh, here I am. Man of many titles and a very fascinating man. Like the first time we got to cover Sasquatch, and that's only covering a very small corner of what you cover. So this time I was kind of hoping we could get into your dogman encounters, and hopefully going forward we could definitely get into your other aspects of research, such as uh, UFO, paranormal, all that stuff. But we'll do that on future episodes. But as far as today goes, um, going back to where you kind of started getting into your dogman research, I'd like to start off on your first encounter and then kind of build up from there. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, we're going to actually touch on a little bit of everything tonight because one of the investigations that I'm going to talk about tonight had everything under the sun involved. But the very first uh, experience with the dog, man, I was um, 4.30 in the morning. I was on the parkway driving to work and there's a, a field off to the right, a meadow where the deer um, uh, usually graze in the morning, you know, and I'm the only idiot on the parkway that early in the morning. And, uh, I see like yellow lights coming out of the woods, but they're like at the seven foot level, you know, and I'm looking at these things and I'm thinking, wow, I wonder if these are Bigfoots, you know, but I never seen Bigfoots with yellow eyes, you know? So I stopped the truck. I'm in a Jeep. I stopped the Jeep in the middle of the parkway. There's nobody coming. I'm the only idiot on the road. And I'm looking at them. I pulled the window down because it's a tinted window. I'm looking at them. And I noticed that now there's two sets of eyes coming out from, from the woods and walking towards the meadow. And I'm looking at them. And I'm looking at them. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm seeing at 430 in the morning. Am I imagining? Am I still asleep? What's going on? And... All of a sudden, one set of eyes noticed me looking at it. And when it did, it dropped down to all fours. And when it dropped down to all fours, the other one dropped down to all fours. And they started running towards me. Now, as they're running towards me, I'm evaluating what I'm looking at charging towards me. And... I see the head bobbing up and down, up and down. And I had a German Shepherd at the time. So I know that this is not Bigfoots because Bigfoots don't have necks, you know. These are dogmen and they're coming, you know. And I'm looking at them and they're looking at me. And it felt like I was in a trance, like our eyes had locked. And I was in a trance and I'm looking at them and they're getting closer and they're getting closer. And a little voice in the back of my head said, maybe it's a good time to get going now. And I realized how close they were and I punched out the Jeep and I rolled out the window. And as I started to pull away, I hit the back brake lights just to see if they were on the parkway chasing me. You know, if I really had a gun it, gun it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To get out of Dodge. And um, I had seen they both stopped like at, towards the road and they both like their heads both whipped to the left. Like they caught scent of something and they ran north up the parkway. And I get to work and, I, and I'm trying the whole way. I'm deba debating with myself to work. What the hell was that? I can't believe it. Were they actually dogmen? Well, you know, canines run like that. So I know Sasquatch is going for all four, but their heads don't bob like that. It's the only thing I know that bobs like that. And so as the day went on, much time came around. I said, let me call Brian because I run everything past Brian and he runs everything past me. 
And I says, dude, you know, and I tell him what's going on. And he says, oh, dude, you got to go back. You got to go investigate. And I'm like, I don't have to investigate. I know where they came out of. There's nothing back there. There's a junior high school. There's a town hall. There's nothing there. My kids went to those schools, you know, played soccer on those fields. I said the woods is like a, a little uh, postage stamp patch of woods. There's no woods there. And Brian's like, dude, you have to go back. You have to go back. So I said, okay, when I, I'll go back on Sunday when I'm off. And um, the next thing, and that was like a Monday. So the next day I go to work, and I noticed there's like an EPA truck in the middle of the in the middle of the of uh, the the meadow. It's just sitting there. It's like a green like Ford F10 pickup truck sitting in the middle of the meadow. But there's nobody there. I come home, it's there. I go to work, it's there. I come home, it's there. And it never moves, and I never see anybody. And about halfway through the week, that EPA truck changed to like another cons another state conservation agency. But this time it wasn't a pickup. It was more like a Ford Bronco or something like that, you know. And again, I go to work. It's there. I come home and I never see anybody in this damn truck. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Now, I know that when these creatures are found in certain locations that they do send people out to monitor them you know what i mean but um so that sunday comes rolling around i jump in my jeep i go down to the parkway i take the side road over i get off the get off the road I, and i go and i measure the tree limbs where i see them come out of the woods and they cut underneath the they cut the branches the low branches under the trees so the tractors can get under there and cut the meadow you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's the branch i think the, the lowest branch is like eight feet high or something like that and I would say these eyes were about a foot below the, the branch. So they were a good seven feet tall. So then I start walking back, you know, again, thinking I know everything. I don't have to, I really don't have to do this, but I know it. And I come to a creek and I go down in the creek and I'm looking and there's a bunch of people fishing down there. And I'm like, what's going on? Oh, well, you know, this, this state stocks the creek this time of year with trout and stuff. And I like, okay, there's trout in this creek. So maybe these creatures have food to eat if, they, if there's nothing that the, if they can't catch any deer there's food there's trout in the creek so i go under the bridge i come out on the other side of the road and it's a big um condo complex and there's a big there's a big lake there and there's geese on the lake and there's ducks on the lake and there's frogs and fish and turtles and i'm thinking wow there's a lot of food source here you know then i'm thinking i knew i thought i knew everything so i walked past i'm walking like towards my house now I walk past the uh complex the condo complex and it opens up into a giant cornfield and i okay corn equal deer deer equal predators and i'm thinking wow just this quarter mile of road there's so much food source on it that there wouldn't be any problem for a large predator to hunt here you know and where i live upstate new york there are no lights on any of these streets. They're pitch black. So at night, if something walks across the road, most of these lanes are only, these roads are only two lane roads. You know what I mean? Some of them are so small, they don't even have a line down the middle of them, you know? And something could walk across these, these streets and never be seen. So I told Brian Addicts, he goes, see, I told you to go back, you know, good thing you did. I said, yeah, you know what, I'll, I owe you because I would have never went back to do the research on it because I thought I knew everything there was to know about it. And I knew absolutely nothing, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was that was the first time. Then we went out and we did an investigation 
at a place called uh, Nuclear Lake. Okay. Um, place is this is also in New York. This is also in New York State, and uh, place is called Nuclear Lake because they used to mine weapons grade material out of the mountain there, and they had a refinery on the lake. Of course, the refinery blew up. Everything poured into the lake, and the feds came in and spent millions of dollars to clean up the lake. Technically, it's a federal park. There's no signs for it. There's a ranger station out front. Um, there's, it's not like any kind of park you would think of. There's no bathrooms. There's no benches. There's no nothing. It's just woods and the Appalachian trail runs through it. And I had heard some stories from, uh, friends of my neighbors about Bigfoot's being spotted there, you know, and then one thing led to another. And I heard about UFOs being there and balls of light coming out of the lake and UFOs siphoning water. So I said, we got to go there and we got to do an investigation, you know, <laughs> of so I talked to, talk, talk to my cameraman. I talked to Brian. He said, yeah, yeah, let's go. So we picked the weekend in October, which happened to be Hollow's Eve. All right. Can't, it's got to be Hollow's Eve. And um, there was a full moon that night. There was a meter shower going and we called our psychic down in Arkansas. We said, okay. And she said, this place is like no other place I've ever experienced. The energy there is off the charts. And she said, you know, we had three locations put that we had a, a high ridge line. And she said, at this ridge line, you're going to expect you're going to experience this Bigfoot, she said. And then it was a meadow. And she said, at this meadow, you're going to experience uh, more like nature creatures, like gnomes and fairies and stuff like that. And we're laughing hysterical. Right. And she said, at the third location, you're going to experience more Bigfoot because their third location is really the squatchiest location. So we say, okay, we go out, we do a day night investigation. We get in there and I found, I did a, a, a preliminary investigation there when I found out the locations that I wanted to research. And at the third, at the first location, we found three quartz crystal balls set up in a triangle. And it was on this high ridge overlooking a swamp. And I said, this is going to be our first location. You know, these crystals really have me perplexed. Who put these balls like this together in the middle of the woods? And we're four miles deep in, you know. Were they perfect spheres or were they just kind of like ball shaped? They were, they were like ball shaped. They weren't perfect spheres. No, they were ball shaped. And um, so we went there and we, we got to the first location. And again, we called our psychic. And she said, okay, this location, you're going to definitely have Bigfoot and Dogman uh, experiences. You know, this is a, like a cryptid area. And so I said, look, you know, we're going to, we're going to do some, we're going to do some um, um, investigating here. So I will call you later. So I, there was on these three balls, I was filming with a thermal imager. And what we did was we, I brought a quartz crystal skull. Uh, rose quartz and Brian brought Brian brought a quartz crystal and we wanted to see if we can get the energy to jump from one skull to the other on film you know because rose quartz is supposed to be a receiver and, and quartz crystal is supposed to be a transmitter so we're going to do these investigations so I'm filming these three quartz crystal stones and they're ice cold and they're not showing up. They're not showing any energy on the thermal and we're hitting them with the laser pointers and there's nothing there. And there's really nothing going on. I pulled out the parabolic mic 
and we caught a Morse code coming down out of the sky, you know, and I had Brian listen to it and I had Bill listen to it and everybody had their theories like, well, Brian's like, well, maybe it's the radiation leaking out of the trees. Maybe these trees were small when the, uh, the when the accident happened and now they're larger. And Bill's like, well, maybe there's radio towers somewhere around here that's giving us some kind of signal. Is this uh, area still known to be like radioactive, um, like on paper? Um, no, it's not radioactive on paper. No, it's, but um, so I said, well, maybe it's just like this big cloud above us. Maybe that cloud is actually a UFO and it's transmitting and we're catching the transmission. And everybody laughed, you know, because no one really thought it was a UFO. But that's what I that's where my head was. Right. So then I said, you know what? Nothing is going on here. I'm kind of getting a little disappointed. So I broke out of my Tibetan singing bowl, which is the crown chakra. And I hit the woods with all this vibration and frequency. And it just rang out through the woods. It was like crazy. All of a sudden, everything changed. I could feel a, me a metallic taste in my mouth. I could taste my teeth got numb. I turned the thermal on the stones again. Now the stones are reading white hot. And I'm like, Brian, touch the stones. He's like, I'm not touching the stones. I'm like, dude, touch the stones. That's what we're here for. Touch the stones. He goes, just keep filming and see if we get a transfer of energy. I go, dude, touch. He goes, I'm not touching the stones. He goes, here's the goddamn camera. I'll touch the stones. Because <laughs> I needed to know if the stones were really that hot, you know? And I touched the stones. They were ice cold to the touch. We called our psychic again down in Arkansas. And apparently we had ramped up the energy so much that she couldn't talk. It was like she had cerebral palsy and she's like, move away from the air. Like she was taking her, it took it forever to get the words out, move to another. We had to move like a hundred yards away to talk to her. And she's like, what the hell did you guys do? You know, I said, well, we filled the, we filled the woods over frequency and vibration. We used it to bend singing bowl. And she goes, all bets are off the charts now. She goes, I think you guys just opened like a portal or something, you know? She goes, because the energy is off the charts. So we go, okay, we'll, we'll see what happens. It gets dark and we're sitting there and we're sitting in there and we're, we don't have any, we have headlamps, but they're not on. We didn't set any, set any campfires. We had glow sticks for ambient light and we're sitting there and I got the parabolic mic on and I hear stuff moving all around us, but we can't see anything. We got four different cameras going. Thermal, uh, IR, full spectrum, low light, and we don't see anything. But you can hear stuff moving in the in the leaves all night long, right? So I hear something walking over towards us, bipedally walking over towards us through the woods from the east to the west. Now, that particular night, because of the full moon, the coyotes were on the west ridges and they were going crazy because of the full moon and on the east side of us was a dog kennel and the dogs were going crazy because the coyotes were howling at the moon so we had all this craziness going on between us and we're in the middle of them both and i hear what sounds like bipedal walking coming towards us so i i turned to bill and brian i said i think there's other investigators in the woods being halloween I think we should, you know, cover the glow sticks with some leaves or something so nobody sees us up on their ridge. 
So Brian goes, let me listen. So he listens and he goes, Bill, listen to this. And Bill listens to it. And then they both looked at me and they go, do you honestly think that's a person? And I was like, well, what else could it be? He goes, Al, if that's a person, they weigh about 1,500 pounds. <laughs> it's crazy. They go, are you nuts? Like, okay, okay, okay. I didn't really think it was a person, but, you know, it's bipedal. So we're sitting there and we hear three of the most loudest whoops that go through you now. We hear whoop, 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 right? I mean, and each whoop was louder than the first one. It came up the ridge and went through our legs and into our body and bounced off our chest. And everybody just looked at one another and Bill said, I think it's time to go. And I go, no, absolutely not. We're just getting started. So I do three rock knocks. It does a rock knock back. I do a tree knock. It does a tree knock. So Bill's like, we should leave. We should leave. I go, no, we're not leaving. This The night's just getting started, baby. This is what we're here for, <laughs> you know? And there's a stone wall running along the top of the ridge. And Bill is sitting right up against that stone wall. I'm in, I'm in the middle. Brian's to my left. And we're all talking. And all of a sudden, this Bigfoot... Now, then, after it whooped, the coyotes and the dogs shut up. You could have heard a pin drop in that woods. And then we got a whoop from the west and a whoop from the east and a whoop from the south. And my, and Brian's like, they're surrounding us. I'm like, dude, they're like miles away on each side of us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The only one close to us is the one down here in the swamp, you know? And it takes a rock the size of a bowling ball. And I don't know how they do this, but it throws it up over the top of the trees. It comes down between me and Brian. It rolls, it hits Brian's chair. And, I mean, how do you throw a rock up? Uh, you know, we're already 50 feet above it. And then you, the trees are 50 feet. It's 150 feet. And it came down per perfectly between me and Brian. And Brian's especially like, considering it's bowling ball size, that's that's a lot of strength. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of strength. That's a heavy rock. Absolutely. And Brian's like, I think it's time to go. And I go, nope, I'm not ready to go yet. <laughs> um, let's just I feel like uh, the, the energy I'm feeling is like there's still more to come. And I didn't come out here and spend 12 hours out in the woods to miss it. You know what I mean? And that particular night, I was wearing a stone. It's a Moldavite stone. It's called an alien stone. It's supposed to give off a certain frequency that the alien resonates with the aliens. And I'm wearing this stone because I'm trying to get as much action to happen that night because I don't really know if anything is going to happen, you know, on the way out. So is that specifically foot, aliens or has that worked with uh, other things in your experience, too? Um, I really only pull it. It's a very, very expensive stone. So I only pull it out when I do UFO research, but that night I knew there had been UFOs seen siphoning the water out of the lake. So I figured I might as well wear it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so at that point, um, everybody's ready to go except me and we're sitting there and we're sitting there and, and never heard the Bigfoot walk away. You know, like we heard him come in from the West and we never heard him leave. And then maybe 20 minutes, half hour later, we hear what sounds like quadruped 
charging up the ridge. Bada boom, bada boom, bada boom, bada boom. And this thing is coming. And we don't know what it is. You know, is it a Bigfoot bluff and charging us? That's what it sounds like. But, you know, to me, in my mind, I'm thinking black bear or mountain lion, you know? It only sounded so, like one thing coming at you, right? It didn't sound like a few things, just one? Nope, just it was a quadruped charging up there. You can hear it every time its feet hit those leaf litter. Bada boom, bada boom, bada boom. Now, Bill is sitting right up against this wall where this thing is charging, right? So Bill gets up and he runs past me. Now, I'm up. We all have our headlamps on. I'm up and I'm focused on where the sound is coming from, right? And I'm looking around me and I'm saying, I'm in the trees. I can't use my machete. All we got are 18-inch machetes, 10-inch survival knives, and pepper spray. I can't use my machete. I'm in, I'm in between the trees, so I pull out my survival knife. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to sacrifice my left arm for this mountain lion hits that wall to kill it with a knife in its belly. As I, all this is going through my head like at a thousandth of a second, Bill is running by me. Again, I never take my eyes off of the sound. And I don't know how I did this to this day. I don't know how I did it. I reached out and I grabbed Bill. And I stopped him dead in his tracks. And I spun him around and I said, stand your ground. And then Brian was to my right and we set up in like a triangle formation. And every, those guys had their machetes out because they were in a little bit more open space than I was. I had the survival knife out. And this sound comes charging right up to the stone wall. Nothing comes over the wall. And we're all just sitting there and we're thinking, what the hell is going on? So I had this little Sony uh, digital camera. I took one, one photograph of the world I heard the sound come to. And then I put the Sony down, had it hanging around my neck. We never heard the thing. We never heard the thing leave. So we waited for like five minutes, and I said, "All right, grab the cameras. Let's jump over this little wall and set the cameras up and see if we could see anything." You know that there. We set up all the cameras, pointed them in every different direction. Nothing. Bill had a fifteen hundred luma flashlight that lit the woods up like daylight. He hits that and lights up the whole swamp. There's nothing there. Now we hear three whoops coming from the south end of the lake, which is like three, four miles away. And Brian's like, whatever that thing was, just transported to the other side of the lake. And I'm like, uh, or it could just be a different creature on the other side of the lake. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, we assumably, if things like that work as a pack, too, they can intentionally try to make noise over here, over there, over here, over there, so that you don't know exactly how many there are, and you're looking in different directions, so you can't quite make out what direction the one specific one's coming from. All right. So then we decide, after about a half hour, nothing happens. We decide to pack up and move to uh, location number two, which is the meadow, which is right where the Appalachian Trail comes out to at the lake. We're sitting in the meadow. We're walking over towards the meadow. Brian says, you know what? I'm going to leave one, the low light camera, video camera on. Because I don't want to be that guy to miss something because I, I pre-packed all the equipment away, right? As we're walking over, I see this silvery strobe light flying through the sky going from west to east and i grab this stone and i go oh god please don't let this be a ufo <laughs> don't let these guys get abducted because of me right and as soon as that thought rang in my mind i think brian said what's that he points up and he puts up the camera and he starts filming it now this thing is going from silver 
to orange to red to orange and we're all filming it and all of a sudden it makes a beeline towards us so we're standing on these huge giant rocks it's like a, a crater field we're standing in and a really treacherous uh, hike and um it comes up over us and it's just hovering above us and brian's filming you can hear us all talking on the video on the on, on youtube what the hell is it is it a drone is it a helicopter it's got an electrical kind of hum and we're going through all of these bullshit in our interviews and I said, Bill, time check. And he says, like, it's like nine o'clock. I said, okay. And I said, you know what? We should, I said, shut off your headlamps. We shut off our headlamps and it hits us with a floodlight. Now we're all sitting in and standing in this floodlight and it's downloading us or whatever it's doing. And I say, we should step out of this light because we don't know what it's doing to us. We step out of the light and... We back off. The thing shuts the light off, zips across the lake. Blink of an eye, it's gone. Thousandth of a second, it's gone. So now we're all like, what the hell was that? Oh, my God, you know? <laughs> so then we go to, we get to the meadow, and we set up in the meadow, and we call the psychic again, and it's like 9.15 or whatever, something like that, and uh, or 9.30, something like that. And I said, what are we going to feel? What are we going to find here? She's okay. This has got a whole different feel to it. You're going to see, you know, woodland creatures, gnomes and fairies and shadow people and all this stuff. And we're laughing at her hysterically. Like she's out of her mind. You know, we're going to see gnomes, you know, of all things. Right. So we go, we're sitting there. Brian's sitting in front of me, looking North. I'm I'm looking South. Bill is facing Eats, but he's actually on the trail filming the meteor shower because the meteor shower is really going going heavy at this point and i'm taking pictures of these seven foot shadow figures jumping from tree to tree so i'm like brian do you see this and he's like yeah i see that and uh so bill comes over and he films it but it's crazy which shows up on the monitor we had we had set up another monitor on the camera the camera had two monitors a really big one and a small one that's a ghost city camera on the monitor, when he was filming the tree, it looked like you didn't see the shadow figures, but it looked like the tree had like silver Christmas balls on it. And there were no leaves on a tree. It was the fall. There was no leaves on a tree. And we're like, what the hell is on a tree? And we're looking up at the flashlight. There's nothing there. You look down on a monitor. There's like all these little silver like Christmas ornaments, right? So then Brian goes, Bill, turn the camera over Al's shoulder. I'm seeing movement back there. So Bill's standing over to my left and he's filming these two giant oak trees and Brian is standing over my right shoulder. Me and Brian are looking at the monitor. Hand to God, a gnome comes out from behind the tree and it runs from one tree to the other. And we all just look at each other like, did you see what I seen? What'd you see? A gnome. And like, okay, we're, we can't all be having the same hallucination, right? So we go back to filming and the second one runs out. So Brian's like, oh, we got to go over there. You know, we got to go over there. Is it the generic so, gnome look or what, like, what did it look like? Yes. No, it looked just like a gnome. Yes. Like a garden gnome. <laughs> Only was about two feet tall, two and a half feet tall. So Brian goes, we got to go over and look. So we go over and we look. There's not, nothing there. We don't find anything. We get back to our seats. And now all of a sudden, these two white balls pop up from behind uh a, tr a bush on the other side of the lake for where we were originally. 
And I had told Brian before we had gone out that night, I said, bring your green laser. I'm going to bring my red laser. If these balls of light show up, let's hit them with these laser beams and see what happens. Because the Native Americans up here say, don't follow the balls of light. They'll lead you to your demise. And Brian says, okay, no problem. So we're sitting there and these two balls just pop on the size of softballs, right? And they're across the lake. And I go, Brian, Brian. He goes, yeah, I see. So I go, Bill, get your 1500 lumen flashlight. On three, you light that whole area up. Brian and I will hit these balls of light with these lights. Let's see what they, if they turn into anything, you know? So on three, boom. Soon as these laser beams hit these balls of light, they blinked out and they were gone for the rest of the night. They never came back. And there was nothing there behind that bush or in front of that rock where we seen them. So we're freaking out. So we're sitting there and we're discussing all this crap that's going on. When we hear, swear to hand to God, I swear to God, we hear what sounds like a family coming down the Appalachian Trail. A mother and father, you can hear them talking and murmuring. Two small kids laughing, giggling, kicking rocks. And, you know, we're three pretty large grown men sitting in the dark with 18-inch machetes <laughs> and 10-inch survival knives. And I say to the guys, we should put our headlamps on this way. When these people come out, we don't freak them out. They don't walk out into the darkness and see three large men with machetes, you know. So we turn our headlamps on. We hear the sound of people walking. They come right out to the opening of the Appalachian Trail. No one comes out. So we all look at each other like, what the fuck, right? So Bill, I said, Bill, grab your flashlight. Let's go in. Let's make sure these people are okay. Maybe something happened to them. We go in, we walk 100 yards back and forth, the three of us. We left all our equipment in the meadow, walked up and down this field, uh, this trail, 100 yards. Nobody there. So Brian says, call the psychic again. So we call the psychic. Now, in our minds, we have only been there 15 minutes. That's what it felt like. All this stuff happened in 15 minutes. So we call the psychic. And she's like, why are you guys calling me so late? What are you talking about? She's, it's like 9.30. She's like, no, Al, it's later than that. I go, how late could it be? We just got here. We just called you when we got here. We want to tell you what's going on. She goes, first of all, it's 11.30, not 9.30. She goes, second of all, tell me what your experience. So we told her what we experienced about the family. And she says, okay, those people are not there tonight. You guys are in the time-space continuum. And those people will be there tomorrow hiking with their children. Nobody's hiking at 1130 at night in the Appalachian Trail where you guys are on Halloween. So, okay. So we're trying to wrap our mind around this, right? So is it like the sound that's projecting rather than like they weren't physically there, but it was like the sound of them being there the next day? Yes. It sounds like their family of four walking down the trail. It sounded like two adults having a conversation, but all we could hear was a murmur. And it it sounded like little kids laughing, giggling, kicking stones, having fun. You know what I mean? Um, But it also would have just been weird for there to be a family there that late at night, especially with young kids. That's that's weird all on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So 
at this point, I said, okay, let's pack up and go to the campsite because that's where most of the Sasquatch activity is. Let's go there. I wanted to be there for 12 o'clock anyway because that's the people who camp there have all the experience. The Sasquatch come into the camps, they touch the tents, and we found footprints in that area. So we get there, we set up, it's like a quarter to 12. And I don't know if it was Bill or me or Brian, I honestly couldn't tell you. Somebody says, oh man, tonight's the night. We got to turn the clocks back. So it's only a quarter to 11 and not a quarter to 12. We've been in these woods for like 12 hours. Like, Al, do you want to stay here for another hour? And I was like, no, nah, man, I'm burnt out. These woods burnt me out. You know, the energy of this place has burnt me out. So he said, oh, the hell with this site. We'll come back. We'll do this site another night. You know, let's get the hell out of here. Now, the game plan going in is we were going to skip to the cars, go to the diner, grab a bite to eat, have a cup of coffee, discuss what happened. The whole night, there was no animals in this forest. Okay. All Bill kept saying the whole night is, these woods are devoid of life. These woods are devoid of life. I'm like, shut up, dude. You're freaking me out. You know what I mean? That's all he kept saying because we didn't hear anything, any kind of animals. So as we're walking out, we're told, we're having this conversation like, man, what a shitty night. Nothing happened. You know what I mean? Can't believe we spent, you know, 15 hours in here and nothing happened. We get in our cars and everybody goes separate ways. Brian calls me the next morning and he says, dude, how do you feel? And I said, why? He goes, I'm spitting blue phlegm. And blue I got phlegm. A, a blue phlegm. He goes, and I got a handprint on my chest that looks like a child's handprint. And I'm like, well, now that you mentioned it, I do have a fat lip. I said, I feel like something has been implanted under my lip. It's as hard as a rock. Now, we none of us fell down. None of us got hurt that night. You know what I mean? So Brian says, let's call Bill, put him on a, a conference call. We call Bill, and Bill's like, dude, I had night terrors all night long. I dreamt about aliens being abducted. He goes, and I got a knot on the side of my head the size of a baseball. And we're trying to figure out what the hell happened. So we call the psychic down in Arkansas, and she says, well, I don't know what you guys <laughs> did last night, but my right arm, the arm I was using to talk to you guys on the phone, I got a rash from my wrist to my elbow. She goes, I don't know what happened to you guys last night. So I go, do you think we lost two hours of time? And she says, yes, I believe you guys lost two hours of time. And so we think, okay, so now we go home, we look at all the, all the pictures, we go to Bill's house, we look at the pictures and you know we don't we, there's a lot of orbs and a lot of the photos like millions of orbs and stuff you know and we were doing a lot of stuff to like a lot of we have a lot of different techniques we use to try to bring stuff in you know not just the Tibetan singing bowl but we use um all kind we not only we use frequency and vibration we use incense and all kinds of stuff native american music you know and we got, we got these. We got this one photo with a million pictures in it, and uh, ten guys on the team. Everybody looked at it on a sixty-inch screen TV. Nobody noticed there was a Sasquatch underneath the bush looking at us. Right. The one photo I took of the stone wall where we thought the Bigfoot bluff charged us. Um, again, we didn't see anything in the photograph, not on the big screen TV. Brian puts everything up raw on fate on uh, on our site on our. 
And this guy from California, California calls me up and says, dude, that stone wall, that photo you have of the stone wall. He goes, yeah, he goes, there's a dog man behind that wall. And he's looking right at you. Because if you look at that picture, you can see the nose, the snout, the two eyes shine, and the pointy ears. So he sends me the picture, and it looks like it's got like a, a box, like a box kind of face, you know, a square face with a big nose just over the tip of the wall sniffing us, you know, again, our scent. And you can see the eye shine from the flash, and you can see the two pointy ears, like the ears were cropped, like on a, like on a Doberman, right? So I think this has been photoshopped. I go to my original uh, SD card I put in the computer. Sure, shit, it's there. So how come none of us seen it? Next day, the guy calls me back. He says, dude, you know, in that meadow with all those orbs? I go, yeah, he goes, there was a Bigfoot underneath the tree looking at you guys. Send me the picture. He sends me the picture. And sure as shit, I, again, I see, I think it's photocropped, right? I go to my SD card, and there it is. And I'm like, how does 10 guys on the team look at this thing on the 60-inch screen TV, and nobody notices what's looking at us from underneath the bush because there's so much going on in the photograph that you're so distracted by everything else, you're not looking down low, you know? So that was the second time we realized that we had a, we, we were, we think the Bigfoot, Brian believes, this is Brian's theory, it whooped three times because there was three of us there, okay? And he was telling the other ones, don't come this way, there are three, you know, people in the woods. He also believes, well, we all kind of believe this at this point, that it was trying to get us out of the area because even though we were on a high ridge, below us was a swamp. And there was something in the swamp that we didn't know was there. There was a den in the swamp. And we think that the big, the dog man bluff charged us because we were too close to its den. It may have had pups in there. And the Bigfoot knew we were in harm's way. They tried to get us out of there, but I was thick. I didn't want to leave, you know, and I could have got everybody killed that night. So then a couple of months go by. That was in October. So all winter long, I'm being pulled back to the swamp. I'm being pulled like something is just dragging me back there. I'm telling these guys, we got to go back. We got to go back. We got to go. So Brian's like, like, when the weather gets better, we'll go back. It's too shitty right now to go back. Okay, weather breaks, June, July, we go back, we're hiking through, um, and I tell these guys, I said, look, if you don't want to come with me because I put you in harm's way, I understand, but I'm going because I'm being pulled. I have to go. If you don't want to go, I'll get it. And Brian's like, no, 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 we're all going, which you're not going by yourself. So we walk, and I said, but if you come with me, don't drag me off in different directions because everybody's feeling sh different energies pulling them in different directions. I said, I want to go here and this is where I want to go. And Bill's like, all right, Al, we'll go where you want to go. <laughs> Chill out, right? I said, okay. So we get, so we start hiking and it's a really hot summer day. We get about 100 yards away from the swamp. And I think I was hit with infrasound, okay? Something hit me with infrasound. As much as I'm being pulled there, something is trying to stop me from getting there. I don't know if it's the Bigfoot's trying to stop me from going there or if it's the dogman that is trying to stop me from going there or what it is, but something is still pulling me there. I start to overheat. I'm really, um, I don't feel good. I feel nauseous. I feel sick. 
I'm pouring water over my head. Brian's giving me oranges. He goes, drink the orange, suck the orange juice, the juice out of the oranges. And so we're sitting there and Bill's like, oh, we should turn around. We should turn around. This is a sign, you know, doesn't want us to go here. We should turn around. And I'm like, turn around my ass. I can see the, I can see the swamp from where we're sitting. If you think I'm, I'm going to turn around now, you're out of your mind. I just trekked three and a half miles through the woods to get here. I almost died of heat exhaustion. I'm going there. So about 20 minutes later, it goes by. I feel better. We get to the swamp and we're walking around three experienced investigators and we're walking. Everybody's on their own, walking different. No one's seeing nothing. It's like we got blinders on. We can't see anything. So all of a sudden, a little voice in my head says, jump up on this big rock. I jump up on this giant rock. I mean, this is a big rock. It's like the size of a minivan. I jump up on a rock and it says, Use your walking stick to move the cattails and move the cattails. And there's a trackway going right down the center of the swamp. And at the end of that trackway is a den. It looked like it looked like a, uh, something had grabbed all these young saplings and bent it over. You know what I mean? Like trying to hide the entrance? Assumably? Trying to hide it. Yeah. So I call Brian up. Brian jumps up. He looks in there. Call Bill up. Bill's got like this, the, uh, $4,000 camera that can see the alien bases on the moon. And I say, zoom into that goddamn bush back there. Cause I don't think it's a bush. He zooms in on it and he goes, Oh shit. It's a den. You know, now all of a sudden the blinders are gone. Bill jumps in. He goes, I'm jumps down. He goes, I'm going to go into the den. I said, we're going to go into the den. It's the swamp. He goes, I'm going to follow the track way in. He steps into the first track. He goes down to his knees. Now he's stuck. So Brian and I have to pop him out, right? Like a, like a potato out of the dirt. We pull him <laughs> out of the ground. And we start walking around. We find scat. We find arches. We find X's. We find crosses. We find all kinds of broken branches. We find all kinds of sign of all kinds of... And then I find something I've never found before. It looked like something had made a corral out of down trees. And it, the corral was set up in a horse, horseshoe kind of shape where they would herd deer in and then maybe ambush it from the other side. Like a kill wall it almost. Was, yeah, it was crazy. It was like, I mean, I don't, I was like, that's the only thing I could think of. I said, like, are they using this? Because it doesn't give you any kind of protection from the elements and doesn't really hide you from anything in the woods because it's just down trees set up like a corral. And, I said, and these are big trees, 60 foot trees. There's nobody going back there with heavy equipment because you can't get back there with heavy equipment to move these trees. So whatever moved these trees and set them up had tremendous strength, you know? So we find all this stuff and we go back to Bill's house. We jump in the car, we go back to Bill's house, we put it on his big screen TV and we're in his uh, in his room where his office is, and we're looking at the TV, and we're zooming in on the den. And hand to God, there's the most biggest canine wolf type head in the den, but it's not looking towards us; it's looking away from us. And you can see like um, a silhouette of this wolf-like head, right next to that, to the left of that, is a creature. That looks like a like a hyena snarling at us. You can actually see it snarling at us. It's not happy we're there. Like uh, color-wise, it looked like a hyena or like shape of the head? 
face, the head, that I believe this is the one that bluff charged us. Okay. This was, it had that same block head that I seen behind the wall. Okay. So we're, we're looking at this giant wolf like head and we're looking at this hyena snarling at us. Like it wants to come out of this den. It's just kill us. Like we found it's, it's lair, you know? And Bill's mom comes into the room with coffee and cake. Guys want some coffee? Yeah, sure. We'll have coffee and cake. And she looks at the screen of the TV and she goes, what are those two little monkeys doing in the picture? And we go, <laughs> what monkeys? And she goes right there. There's two little monkeys. Dude, there is a creature in the den that look, I call it, the, looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Now, all, all joking aside, it was probably a reptilian, okay, in the den and is holding two baby Sasquatches by the hand. It was the weirdest with the dog thing. man in there also so there was With a the reptilian two, two baby uh sasquatches and a and a dog man all in the same den two, two dog man a, a coyote um uh hyena head dog man and a regular canine head dog man yes all in his den so as we were leaving the den that day i went up on a high ridge to the to the north and i was walking towards the back of the swamp and i noticed a back way out of the den and it was a trailway right down the middle of the swamp so brian's like we're gonna get a drone we gotta fly it into that den you know we gotta do this <laughs> we gotta do that but um i don't actually think we could fly drone there because it's federal property but um anyway so we're looking at this picture and man we, we almost fell off our chairs when we seen this shit like you know, what the hell, what the hell did we discover? What did we find in that den, you know? And I, I, I'll swear on a stack of Bible that that creature that looked like the hyena was definitely the same creature that bluff charged us. I think it was a female because the other one was much, much bigger. It dwarfed that one, okay? And so that was number two. Third time, um, again, now, I'm home. I don't live too far from this research area, maybe 10 miles where the crow flies, right? Bill lives on the other side of the Hudson River. Brian lived down in the Bronx. I'm the closest idiot to it, right? And um, when you grow up in the city, you probably know you live in the city. If you live on the first floor, you don't leave your your windows open at night because someone will come in. Okay. Even Shit, even second screen, story, you don't even want to take a chance uh, half the time. <laughs> yeah, even even if you got screened, someone will come in. So at that point, my kids were in their teens, late teens. And my daughter had taken over the master bedroom. My son was in the kids' room. And we had moved downstairs to the spare room. Now we're on the first floor. Okay. I got my guitar set up in the corner between my two between my guitars. I have a 12 gauge pistol grip shotgun okay with double odd buck in it right and um i was it was a it was a early fall maybe early november but it was hotter than hell out right and the house was hot and i was sweating bullets and i couldn't sleep and i said i'm gonna leave the window open tonight 
And my wife goes, what? You just leave the window open. That's, you know, you, that's not who you are, you know? I go, well, I sleep next to the window. And the shotgun is right here. Somebody sticks their head through that window. They're getting blasted out, you know? Whack-a-mole. <laughs> so I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping. My wife's sleeping. We got our cat. cat uh, Patches is sleeping between us. She's like, you know, 15-pound cat. She's small. And around 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd pop up. I don't know why I pop up, but I pop straight up and I'm sitting there listening and I'm looking at the cat. The cat is sleeping. And then I touch the wall that faces the backyard and I'm feeling the energy come through the wall. There's something in my backyard. It's not a Bigfoot. I, I've had Bigfoots in my backyard. They leave me gifts all the time. It's a different kind of energy. So, as I'm about to get out of bed, the cat jumps up like she catches a whiff of something. She jumps up and runs upstairs 100 miles an hour. She sounds like a, a bulldozer going up steps and hit under the kid's bed. Like out of a dead now, sleep, she just woke up and of, took off? Out of it, like she... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Caught with a something that scared her to death and she jumped up and she was gone. So now that's freaking me out, right? I'm sitting on the bed looking out the window. The window's open. I can't see shit in the backyard. It's pitch black. But I feel like there's something out there. And I'm leaning closer and closer to the screen. And I'm thinking something's going to grab me by the head and pull me out this window, you know? And as I'm leaning closer and closer to the screen, I hear something sniff like that. And that makes me back up. Close the window, I lock it. I grab my 12 gauge, put it around in a chamber, and I start to walk outside because I'm going towards my kitchen because I got a sense of lights on the backyard. I could turn the lights on to see what's in the yard, you know? As I'm walking through the hallway to get to my living room, I hear a little voice in my head say, Stop. You don't want to see what's out there. Go back to bed. And I turn around and I go back to bed. This is totally out of out of character for me against every fiber of my being i'm the type of guy that runs towards shit especially if it's on my property and i don't know what it is 
but I turn around, I put the shotgun back, I go back to sleep like it never happened. I get in the car, I go to work the next day, call Brian, I tell him what happened. He says, dude, you got to go back. Tonight when you go home, you got to check to see if there's any tracks in the backyard. And I said, you know what? We just ran new lines to the, to the well, the outline and the inline. So the, a lot of the lawn is torn up. There's no grass on it, no seed. I haven't seeded yet. It's just dirt. If there's going to be any tracks, it's going to be right there where it's nice and clean. I go home that night. I don't say anything to anybody in the house. I go in the backyard and I look and underneath my bedroom window, is four claw marks like in the fresh dirt like yeah i was here last night so i take a picture of the four claw marks i take a picture of where my window is close to the four claw mark i call brian and i tell brian and brian says well you know what somebody came to visit you last night and i think it's because we went to the den they tracked you back to your house and I'm like, yeah, I'm not happy about this. Uh, this shit coming to my house, you know. This is this is this is not good, you know. So I'm pissed off, and Brian says, "Oh, well, don't worry about it. Nothing happened, you know. Forget about it." So I said, "Okay." So then we started having packs of dogs running through the through the neighborhood, tearing up garbages. So I started going out in the morning to stop my car because I had an old car. I would warm it up in the morning to get in it before I got in it. And I started carrying my pepper spray and a little four or five inch pocket knife. Cause I figured if the pack of dogs show up while I'm starting up the car, they're going to maul me. I got to be able to fight my way out of that, you know? And I, as I'm coming down the front walk, I feel like there's something watching me from behind. This is like a week later. I turn around I don't see anything on my deck. I don't see anything in my yard, my neighbor's yards. And I just keep walking. I get to a certain part on the walkway and the sense of lights come on, you know, and I go out. And again, I look, I can't see anything under the deck because the sense of lights are blinding me. And that particular night, we had all the cars in the driveway because we were supposed to get snow. So there was four cars deep in the driveway, mine being the furthest from the garage door because I was the first guy to leave. Start my car up. I start walking. As I'm walking back towards the house, I feel like there's something under the deck. I can't see anything as the sense of lights are blind, but I feel like there's something under the deck. So I start walking towards the deck. Like, what the, what the fuck is in my, you know, under my deck? I had just had brand new retaining walls built, new deck put on, and I'm going under the deck, and I'm going under the, and I'm getting closer and closer to the, the, to the, to the deck. And I'm about a car and length away, a car and a half length away. And I hear a little voice in my head said, you should stop right there. And as I'm looking, I'm blocking the light on the deck from my eyes. So I can see what's under the deck. I see the largest canine head staring at me. It looked like exactly like the one that was in the den. Okay. I don't see any eyes. I don't see any teeth. I see a mane coming down off its shoulders into its chest. And I'm looking at this. And now I'm walking closer because I want to get a better look at what I'm looking at. And I'm saying, this thing is under my deck. My deck is about seven feet high. This thing looks like it's on its hunches. It's not even standing straight up, you know? And I'm looking and I'm looking, I'm getting closer and I'm getting closer. Now I'm about a half a car length away. And I hear the voice say, 
you should turn around now before you get shredded. So I turn around and go inside and the whole way in, I'm debating, what do I do? I got tons of guns, ARs, shotguns, 3030s, 30-06, you know, uh, carbines, and I, mean, I got all kinds of guns. My son is upstairs sleeping. My son-in-law is sleeping here. He's, he's a carrier. So I said, do I get wake everybody up and go to war with this thing underneath my front deck? Because I know that doesn't end well with the, when you go to war with these creatures. Or do I just let it go? And I said, you know what? I'm going to let it go. Again, it goes against every fiber of my being. <laughs> this is not who I am. But there's a voice in my head telling me, let it go. So I let it go. I come home from work. As I, as I come down, oh, I forgot to mention, when I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, I opened up the sliding glass door. And I got three locks on my sliding glass door because I come from the city, right? <laughs> so, I got three so I got three locks on the slide. I feed our outside cat who sleeps in my dog's house. Um, her name is Callie. She's like seven pounds soaking wet. She's Patch's mom, right? Every morning after I feed her, she comes around front to do her business in my wife's garden. Well, that morning, as I was walking towards the garage door to see what's under there, Callie came around to do her business. And she seen what was ever underneath that deck. And she did like a Halloween cat. She jumped straight up and she ran off into the woods 100 miles an hour. And this nine pound cat sounded like a bulldozer going through the woods, which really made me want to think, what the hell is under my deck that just skipped? Because this cat, although she's only nine pounds, nine pounds soaking wet, I got a 125 pound German Shepherd that walks around her. You know what I mean? She's got that boss mentality. <laughs> yeah, she's got this. This is her turf. She don't want nobody on it. Like when my son's dog was on the deck, she would be in his doghouse. He wouldn't even go in the doghouse. Not even if it was raining because she was in there, you know? And uh, so I let it go. I go I go to work. At some point during the day, I call Brian. I tell him what happened. Brian's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. This is unbelievable. This is crazy shit. Come to your house twice. No, 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 no. I go home that day. And I look, oh, as I'm, as I'm walking out that morning to get in my car to go to work, I take my tactical flashlight with me and I hit underneath the deck with the tap because I want to see what's there from a distance, right? And there's nothing there. So I go and look under the deck. The thing had pissed all over my brand new retaining wall and into my driveway uh, drain. And it smelled like pneumonia and it was oily, and it was slick, and it was nasty. Okay, I go to work. I get to work an hour early because I like to have my coffee and stretch. I like to stretch every morning. I stretch every day because I'm a martial arts guy. I have to stretch. Otherwise, I feel like I'm a knot. So I have my cup of coffee down in the, in the lunchroom at work, and my wife calls me hysterical. I'm like, what's the matter? She's like... I opened up the door to feed Callie around 5.30 in the morning or 7.30, whatever it was, 7 o'clock in the morning. And the whole goddamn sliding door fell out of the frame and almost crushed me. If my son wasn't in the kitchen at that point and caught the door, it would have crushed my wife. 
Is it a pretty said, good well, heavy heavy door? Yeah, yeah, it's a heavy door. It's a heavy door. So I said, well, just put it back up, lock it all up. I said, what are you feeding the goddamn cat for anyway? I feed the cat at four thirty in the morning. You feeding it again at seven thirty, you know? <laughs> and uh, I go home the next day. The next day I was off work, so I took the whole thing out of the frame and I relayed the tracks and But I think when I was down checking out the gar- underneath the garage with the flashlight where it was pissing, it was trying to pop the door out of the track. I think it was on the deck trying to pop, just to show me how easy it is for it to get in. But because I got these three different locks on it, the door can't come out. You have to actually unlock the door for everything to fall out. You know what I mean? Mm. The locks keep everything in place. So the next day I retracted, I put everything back up and I locked it. It works fine now. So that was number three, which really pissed me off because I was like, I went back to, to Nuclear Lake, didn't go to the den though, went to about 100 yards away. And I, I said, okay, listen. I get it. You know where I live. I know where you live. You don't come to my house anymore. I won't come to your house. But if you do come back to my house, one of us won't survive. And that's the way I said, left it just like that. And I've never been back to its den ever again. And it's never been here as far as I know. And then Brian and I, we went and did an investigation at a insane asylum, right? And we ran to the security guards and the security guard said, man, you really want to invest someplace crazy. You got to go down to the cemetery. I was down there one night investing, uh, you know, patrolling and three tubes of light came out of the cemetery dirt that freaked them out. Never went back down and patrol ever again. So Brian said, well, we, you know, we, we can't get there tonight because the insane asylum was huge. You know, it's called Letchworth Village because there's so many buildings. It's like a village, you know, mm-hmm. so we'll come back. So we came back thinking we were going to a normal city cemetery, right? The kind you could drive right up to, whoever's the park in front of the stone. And then, so we're not carrying any survival knives. We're not carrying any uh, uh, machetes. All we got are pepper spray because that's what I got in my truck, right? I like to do a day and night. We get there and we're um, walking around and I felt something attached to me immediately, you know? And Brian seen it immediately. He's so fucking good with shit like this. I mean, like, you know, he's... We're both very sensitive, but in different ways. And he says to me, what's going on with you? And I'm like, why? He goes, uh, you don't sound like you. Now, I know I have an attachment, but I'm in denial. And I go, what the fuck are you talking about? If it doesn't sound like me, who do I sound like, you know? He goes, you don't even look like you. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> if I don't look like me, who do I look like, you know? And he's like, you're bullshitting me. You know there's something wrong. And I'm like, dude, there's nothing wrong. And he says, there's something wrong. So we're walking around and we're seeing. And again, it's like we got blinders on. We can't see anything. We're not noticing anything. And there's neighborhood across the street. And this is the weirdest cemetery you ever see. There's no parking lot. There's no parking. There's no sign. You have to hike through the woods a quarter of a mile to get to the actual cemetery. When you get it there, there's just a monument with all the people's names on it. 
but there are no headstones. There's just crosses with numbers, okay? And it's all on a hill. <laughs> so you're looking up at everything. So this is the weirdest cemetery we've ever been in. Now we're walking around, and I decide to do a tree knock. And I do a tree knock because we're in the middle of the woods. Who knew we were going to be in the woods? I do a tree knock, and all the dogs stop barking. And then all of a sudden, the veil is lifted, and we're finding arches and X's and bends and breaks and all of this crazy shit, right? Now, we had been there for a couple of hours at that point, doing a lot of paranormal investigation with a lot of ITC stuff, right? So I said, let's go to the diner, get a bite to eat, have a cup of coffee, we'll come back when it gets dark, because I like to do day and night. I like to do old school, new school, right? So he said, okay, so as we're walking out, I'm being pulled to my left into the woods. So I'm being plugged. Oh, Brian, I'm being pulled this way. He goes, all right, let's go this way. We're walking. We're going walking into the woods. We're about 200 yards in the woods, and we come across something we've never seen before in our lives. It was a structure. There was this giant oak tree. I mean, it was huge. I mean, it looked like almost like a redwood. It was so big, right? And there were other trees shoved up into the forks of this tree but the trees that were shoved up into the forks and it was like root ball first okay the trees that were shoved up in there were this thick they were like a two feet round or foot round and 60 feet long like full full Which trees got, with the root ball everything yeah. included Who's got the strength to pick something up like that? And and it looked and it went around in a circle. It looked to me like an umbrella that's opened with the skin pulled off of it. And all you see are the are the forks, you know? Mm-hmm. It was weird. So we're trying to figure out what the hell we're looking at. So I said, let's walk over to it, because we're still pretty good distance away. When we get there, these trees aren't even touching the ground. They're like 10 feet in the air. They're 10 feet. I'm trying to reach it. I'm six foot. I'm reaching. I can't even reach it. That's how high these branches are. So we took pictures of it. And then Brian started getting pulled deeper into like this rock field. I mean, it was really treacherous walking. So he's, he just starts walking. So I start following him and we start hearing the weirdest howls you've ever heard. It was just I don't even know how to describe it. It was like something that had a sore throat that was howling in the woods um, to our north, across the street from where we were. Kind of like a dog-like howl? No, it was bigger and deeper. And I think we even joked that it was probably a devil dog or something, right? (laughs) Because it was just, it made all the other dogs in the neighborhood shut up. When they heard this thing go off, they all shut up, right? So I told Brian, I said, Brian, stop. I said, stop. We're getting too far in. I feel like we're being drawn into a trap. We're on these treacherous stone, like, minefield here. We can't even run on this shit. If someone falls on this, you're going to break a knee, crack a head open. Let's just back the hell out of here. So it's okay. So we back out. Okay. We back out. We come back when it's dark. We park. Only place to park is off the road, underneath this one street lamp 
with a hiking trail that goes off to the right behind the behind this like little area and just big enough for my Jeep. Right. Because we don't know if we could park on the streets. We're not from around it. There's no street signs. We don't want to get the car towed away, you know, have to call our wives to come pick us up. Right. So we park in there. We go back in. We go in. We're set up behind the giant um, monument. We'll say, so let's use this monument to our back. We'll put it at our back so no one can creep up on us. And we'll film and we'll do everything this way. Beautiful November night. It's gorgeous out, 50 degrees, big full moon, all gorgeous shit, right? We're actually walking along the the this this the plots doing investigations and brian goes did you hear that and i go nope and right after i go nope you hear a growl i don't know where it came from but he heard it with his ears and we caught it on the video camera okay so we sit back down and we're sitting and i want to tell you it was a beautiful full moon starry night just gorgeous fall night all of a sudden these two kids on a quad runner come flying in right they're flying in on a quad they stop right on the other side of the monument eight inches behind us and then you can hear them talking did you see them yeah they came in this way which way did they go i don't know i think they went this way i don't see i don't see any headlamps so they must have shut their headlamps off but i seen them come in and they take off, and we're just sitting nice and quiet, listening to their conversation, literally eight inches behind us. They go driving up into the woods. They drive all through the woods. You can see their the headlights. As they come down a hill, they spot us sitting behind the monument. Were they looking Pull for over. you guys in the first place, or do they seem like yes. they're looking for something else? No, they said, I seen them come in with the headlamps. They just walked in. They couldn't have gotten too far. They were looking for us. And we weren't sure if they were a patrol, like security, if there were a couple of fucking tweakers that had a uh, some uh, something brewing in the woods somewhere, you know what I mean? We really weren't sure what they were, you know. And uh, how old so were they, if you don't mind me asking? If you had to just kind of rough guess, I would say between eighteen and twenty-one. Gotcha. So young, like young kids, but still like adults, where they could be getting into trouble or doing something out You're there. Right. Yeah. And so they come down the hill and they see us. Now they see us. So they stop it. What are you guys doing here? And we tell them we're, you know, a paranormal team. We're doing an investigation. They said, well, if you knew it was good for you, you'd get the hell out of here. So, well, we, we don't know what's good for us. So we're going to stay, you know? <laughs> and uh, I was like, um, can I interview you? No, I don't want any interview. Don't interview me. I'm not. It's getting late. I'm out of here. You should leave. And they leave. Okay, leave. Go ahead. I don't give a shit. We're here to investigate, you know. All of a sudden, dude, a hand to God, the temperature drops like 40 degrees. Okay. And it's cold. All of a sudden, it's really, really cold. And then the fog rolls, clouds roll in, and the fog rolls in. And it looks like something out of a Hollywood werewolf movie. As a matter of fact, I turned to Brian. I was like, dude, does this not look like something out of a Hollywood werewolf movie? He goes, well, if a werewolf comes running out of those woods, I'm out of here. And we're laughing hysterical because it's creepy as hell. Because we're in this cemetery with crosses with no names, just numbers on them, you know? So we're sitting there and then the dogs are going off again, right? The dogs are going off again. And then we hear this 
loudest howl slash scream happen that was so loud that I swear to God, it had to be 300 yards away from us and it vibrated our bodies. That's how powerful it was. And the dogs just shut up. And we just looked at each other. And I think I was a little loopy from the energy of the place. Because I said, that sounded like the biggest German Shepherd I ever heard, you know. <laughs> and Brian's like, yeah, that's no German Shepherd, you know. And, and we're laughing. And the kids come back in with the quad runner. And they stop behind us again. And they go through the whole same schmeal. It's like deja vu. Do you see him? I don't see him. Which way did they go? And they drive woods and they come back down and they spot us again. And they say, what are you guys doing here? And we say, well, we've already been through this with you guys. I said, look, let me do an interview with you. We'll just do an audio interview. No, no, no video. I just want to get some perspective from you know local people. Dude, if you knew what you guys were, were good for you guys, you would get out of here right now. Right now, you need to leave right now. And I'm like, oh, I'm not leaving right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and they and they leave. And Brian looks at me, and I look at him. It's like, dude, did, does that just happen again? Or are we in a time loop? You know? <laughs> He's like, I don't know, man. It was the same conversation all over again. Did they so, seem like they and, didn't have any like memory of? this previously happening yes. like nothing it at all like, like they, they just saw you fresh for the first time yes it was like they didn't even remember our first conversation <laughs> and so brian we sit there for a couple more hours and brian had a heated coat i didn't know he had a heated coat he was nice and warm i was freezing my ass so i was like dude we gotta go i can't take it anymore and then the clouds cleared out the fog rolls off the, the mount, off the cemetery again, and it's a beautiful fall night again, only it's really freezing cold now. So Brian says, okay, come on, let's get the hell out of here. I said, okay, let's get out of here. We got a ton of evidence we got to go through anyway between recordings and video and everything else we did. So as we're walking back towards our car, we get just coming out of the wood line, and our car is parked maybe... 50 100 feet across the street underneath the street light and as we get to the oh, we're stepping off the curb onto the street i stop brian i go dude look look what's behind the car and he goes what and he looks up and we still have our headlamps on and you know they're, they're very powerful headlamps we could see pretty far distance and we see two yellow eye shine looking at us and it's just looking at us and we're looking at it. And Brian goes, what do you think it is? And every fiber of my being said, it's a dog man. And Brian goes, me too. It's a dog man. He goes, this is what we must have heard screaming and howling when we were in the woods before because it came from right where my car was parked. So we're having this conversation on the other side of the street. And he goes, what do you think it's doing? I said, well, there's a car parked by the trail. It's hunting off the trail. Is it hunting deer or is it hunting the people, the person who owns that car? You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. maybe it's seen a car here and it thought there was some idiot running through the woods at night after work and it was going to get an easy meal. All right. That's I swear to God, there's no doubt in my every fire that it was hunting whoever owned that car, thinking it was somebody jogging on that trail or hiking on that trail. So as we're walking across the wood, across the street, we don't have any weapons. 
I just got the, the pepper spray. I opened the, the back of the Jeep and I'm throwing the equipment in the Jeep. I'm not taking my eyes off of this thing because I don't trust this thing, you know? And Brian goes, I got to piss. And I go, dude, you got to be kidding me. Worst timing I ever. <laughs> I goes, dude, I got to piss. I said, get in the car. I'll drive across the street. I'll put the road between us and you can piss all day long on that side. He goes, no, you don't understand. If I get in the car, I'm going to piss on your seat. So don't piss on my seats, right? We're having this conversation, but I'm never taking my eye off. So he walks over maybe 10 feet behind me. He's got his back to this creature, which is only like 10 feet away from this creature. And he starts pissing. And I'm loading the Jeep. And I'm watching this thing. And I'm loading And I'm saying, hurry up. Because I can't stop it now. It's flowing. I go, dude, hurry up. Brian, get in the car. I can't stop. Brian, get in the car. No, I can't. I said, dude, I'm going to leave you here. He goes, no, you're not going to leave me here. He goes, I go, Brian, get in the fucking car. He goes, no, I got you know, I got to finish pissing. And all of a sudden, this thing goes invisible. Now, I don't know if it just shut its eyes or if it closed the light in its eyes, but every fiber of my being said it had dropped down to its belly and it was crawling up on Brian. Now, I thought we both were discussing as we were walking across the street, if it's a deer and we get to the car, it'll jump and run away. This thing never moved. This thing had no fear of us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we're, we were thinking that if it was six feet tall on its haunches, as tall as us, then it had to be seven, eight feet tall when it stood straight up. Okay. So once it dropped down to its belly and I lost sight of it, I went into panic mode. I jumped in the Jeep and I backed up as close as I could to Brian without hitting a tree he was pissing on. And I swung open the passenger side door and I tried to put that door between him and this creature. I said, maybe if the thing explodes, it'll bang into the door and it won't grab Brian. I said, but dude, you got to get in the car right effing now. Otherwise, I'm leaving. Because all I'm seeing in my mind is eyes, this thing grabbing him by the ankles and pulling him down underneath the door. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was what I was thinking too, going up underneath yeah. or above. <laughs> yeah. So um, he, all of a sudden, he gets the, the, the chicken skin, right? And he goes, okay, it's time to go. Stops and jumps in the car. And I do like a Duke of Hazards, man. I got out of there. I did a 360 out of there. I got out of there as fast as I could, kicking up dirt and everything else. And uh, I go, why wouldn't you piss on the other side of the road, you idiot? And he goes, because that's the side of the road the cemetery's on, and I don't want to disrespect the dead. I go, dude, you almost died. You were almost the dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, hand to God, there's no no doubt in my mind that it was a dog man and we got the howls on tape we recorded them we got the growl that was in between us or behind us maybe it was behind the monument i don't know but it sounded like it was right in between us and we got the we got the howls we got the barks we got everything it did that night we were we were recording not only with digital voice recorders but with video cameras as well, you know, like thermal and night vision and stuff like that. We got, we got the audio on everything. And, uh, I told him, I said, dude, 
I was going to leave your ass. He goes, yeah, now what were you going to tell my wife and kids that a dog man killed me and uncle Al left me to head and die. And I was like, you bastard. Cause he knew I was never going to leave him because that's exactly what I was. I mean, his kids call me uncle Al, you know, how am I going to tell his kids? I, yeah, I left your father to die because he wouldn't stop taking a, a, a piss that went on forever. You know what I mean? I misplaced it. Was him. Like an, <laughs> it was like an Austin powers piss, man. It just went on forever evacuation you know I mean? come evacuation come oh my god <laughs> yeah so that's those are all of my dogman experiences that was the last one i think that was the last one there may have been one more but i'm not recalling it off the top of my head i, I swear that you mentioned a story uh last time where you had some uh some warning from some government officials too i don't know if that ties in with what some of the stories you're already talking about but i remember making a reference oh, to that yes. before we were we were in I'm glad you mentioned that because it reaches John my memory. We were researching uh, uh, a park. It was a cutout where like um, uh, power lines were. I had seen a Bigfoot sitting on a rock, sunning itself. So we had went up there and researched it, and we found all kinds of glyphs, and we found a knee print and a fist print, and all kinds of stuff. And the top of the hill was like a, a shed where the electric company kept its quad runners to go from tower to tower and stuff like that. You know, it had all kinds of equipment in the shed and the roof of the shed. was, you know, it was a, it was a small shed. The roof was only make 10 feet high, whatever. Well, one day I'm driving home and I'm stuck in traffic again. I'm, so I'm always stuck in traffic and I look up, I get to the power line. And I always look up. I don't know why, but I was like, and there on top of the shed was a dog man. It looked like something out of like the howling or something, right? It was up on the shed with its arm reaching like towards the power line and its nose up in the air and it was sniffing. Now, I don't know if it was hunting deer and it was sniffing deer or if it was trying to find its pack or whatever it was doing, you know what I mean? But um, was this one full size, yeah. like the the round six to eight foot too? Uh, this was a big boy. Yeah, he was a big boy. He was definitely between seven and eight feet tall because he stood out. And I'm thinking, am I the only person? I'm stuck in traffic. I said, am I the only person in traffic seeing this? You know what I mean? And I, I called Brian. I was like, dude, you're not going to believe what I'm looking at. You know, it's like filming. I go, no, I can't film it because I'm, I'm kind of moving. I got to pay attention. Otherwise, I'll get into an accident, you know? And he's like, well, we got to go back and investigate. And I was like, yeah, we will go back and investigate it, you know. But I knew, we knew that the wherever the Bigfoots are, the dogmen are as well, you know. And um, we knew they were there, but we thought they were on the other side of the woods. Um, and we thought the parkway was like the dividing line because on one side is a big swamp. And there's hills and everything and mountains. And on the other side, there were, there's not, there's swamp on the other side, but not where the power lines were. It's all, you know, mountain and everything. But um, that was, that was the last one I seen. Yeah, I don't want to get into the other stuff now, you know what I mean? As far as the, because I think my son is up here now and I don't want to, I don't want him to hear what happened, you know? Oh, for sure. Um, is this the same location that on the previous show that you mentioned that you said you were going to try to take drones over because there was like the dogman side of the mountain and then the Sasquatch side of the mountain? 
or is this a totally different location? This was a, this is a different location. Yeah. This is a different location. Yeah. Also in New York, I assume. Yeah. It's all in New York. Yeah. Um, different, different counties. One was in Orange County, no Rockland County. One is in Putnam County. One is in Dutchess County. We also have um, sites in Westchester County as well. But, um, you know, um, it's a little tough now with Brian being in Florida. So, um, but we are planning on doing something in June when he comes up. He's going to come up for the summer. So we plan on doing something in June, doing an investigation. Are you guys uh, planning on doing like specifically dogmen? Are you kind of just covering all bases in that area with uh, going into like Sasquatch research too? We're we're doing Bigfoot. We're just strictly doing Bigfoot. I mean, if anything else shows up, like, you know, the balls of light or UFOs, we'll investigate everything that shows up. You know what I mean? But we're strictly going out for Sasquatch. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm planning on having you on the show, of course, in the future to talk about your paranormal and UFO stuff. But after the summer comes and you go and do some more research in that area, I definitely love to uh, talk about what other information you guys hopefully dig up while you're while you're doing research and you guys actually get to group back together again. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to we're going to do a, a where we hooked up with another researcher, Chris uh, Reinhardt from uh, Berkshire Mountain Bigfoot. Uh, it's called Discovering Bigfoot. He's got a YouTube channel and everything. And he does all his research in the Berkshires in Connecticut. And um, we went up there last summer because where Brian had his Bigfoot sighting, it's the same, basically the same woods where Chris researches, but like the other side of the mountain. So we went up and we researched Brian's side. You know, we measured the window and all the stuff that when he seen a creature in the window, we measured how high the window was from the ground to the front of the window, bottom of the window, and then from the ground to the top of the window, how wide it was because the creature's head took up the whole window. And we found all kinds of evidence. And we even had something weird happen in that. We were going around. We were going around and we were investigating and doing all kinds of stuff. And we were coming down off the mountain and at some point, I swear to God, something ran by me and bumped me. But I didn't see anything come by me. Like, I didn't see anything running towards me. But when I got bumped, I kind of turned and I looked at Brian and I looked past him. Like, which is, And Brian said, look in front of you, that bush is moving. Like something just ran past it, you know. He goes, what happened? And I said, dude, something just bumped me, man. Something ran by me, hit that bush, hit me, and went went up the, went up the same path that we're coming down on, you know? Did it seem and intentional Brian, or like it was accidental? I think it was accidental because there wasn't a lot of room on that trail, and Brian and I are both big guys, you know what <laughs> I mean? And I think I just we just took up too much of the trail. But um, I swear to God, man, I it, it spun me. And when I spun around, I looked at Brian. Brian said, the look on my face was just like, what the hell just happened, you know? And he was like, and his mouth dropped. His jaw dropped because he's seen the look on my face, you know? And he's like, what happened? I said, something just bumped me, ran by. He goes, I didn't see anything, but the bush in front of you is, is moving like something ran through it. And I said, like, well, something just went up this hill on, on our way down, and we didn't see it. But I felt it. That, and that was weird. So then Chris was like, Chris was way ahead of us because Chris is like a mountain goat, you know, and he's way ahead of us. So we told Chris what happened. And Chris was, okay, 
we got to come back. We'll do we'll do the research on the other side of the mound though. Next time on my on my slide, just he's got all kinds of crazy stuff going on in his property, you know. And um, so I was like, okay, so this summer we're gonna do. He's gonna come down here and do our our location, and we're gonna go up there and do his location. So it's gonna be like a a power unity kind of thing, you know, but Sasquatch stuff, you know. So should be interesting, yeah. Oh yeah, dude, I'm definitely looking forward to that, and I can't wait to hear about what you guys come up with. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm I know Chris is play. Chris is going through an ascension right now. He's having not only is he having all kinds of activity at his house. You know what I mean? And I mean, he's having some amazing activity, but he's, they're coming to him and when he meditates and they're showing them themselves in his mind eye and they're even giving him their names. He's like they're trying to make real, contact, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, Dave, he's been given some really weird names. Like, I don't even know what they are. I couldn't even tell you what they were, but the names he came up with are, are just weird. Like you never heard these names before, you know? Um, like Nerubi or something like that, you know what I mean? And it's and he's having all kinds of stuff happen. Now he's having black helicopters over his house. And the other night, him and his wife seen a UFO the size of a football field over his house. And like they live in a condo complex, and they were out like taking the groceries out of the car. And this giant UFO is parked over their house. And there are other people in the, in the complex, like coming home from work and nobody sees it, but him, you know, and Brian's like, you're going through an ascension, man. You're, you're, you're you know, your uh, vibration is really starting to rise. And, and then the other night I had some stuff happen at my house. I noticed that my wife's hummingbird feeder is down, which is impossible because I got it weaved through a fence. You know, you'd have to, rip it out of the fence and throw it down. And Chris is having a lot of activity with his wife's hummingbird feeder. And I also noticed that the two bird feeders that I have, I have them facing each other. Mm-hmm. One is one is still facing uh, west, but the one that was facing east is facing south now. Is there food like removed from them? Like whatever is taking them down is like drinking what's on the inside of them? Because assumably like any animal is going to be drawn to something that's like a super sugary substance. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, we've never had issues with the hummingbird feeder. You know what I mean? Never, ever had an issue with the hummingbird feeder. Um, the bird feeders, yeah, the deer come in and they, and they bang them all night long to get all the food out of them and they eat them. But by banging them, they're just swinging. They're not turning, pulling that metal thing out of the ground and turning it at 90 degrees and putting it back in, you know? And then last night, I was listening to a show last night. No, I was watching TV. And I, I swear to God that something slapped the side of the house, the back of the house, you know? And I was like, what the fuck was that? And I grabbed my tactical flashlight and I went outside, you know, um, but I didn't see anything. You know, I, I look when I go out there at night, I look for eye shine and I look, I look high. I look up in the trees. I look at the seven, eight, nine foot level. I look down on the ground because they belly crawl, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm looking for eye shine. And I'm telling you, the whole house shook and, uh, you know, enough for me to go out to see what the hell's going on. You know, like I said, the other night we had black helicopter over the house. 
I mean, I'm sitting in the living room again. It's like 11:30 at night. I'm watching. I'm, I'm big into these murder mystery shows, you know. So I love those murder, like the how they do the what you call it, the CDC, what they call it, CSI stuff, and mm-hmm. you know. And I'm watching it, and all of a sudden the house is shaking. I'm like, it sounds like there's a a giant helicopter, like a military helicopter over my house. And my windows are rattling. So I, I you know, I grab my nine millimeter because it's dark out and night. I go outside on the front deck because I don't know what the hell I'm going to run into out there. I got my tactical flashlight and my nine. And I go and I look up and there's a black helicopter just hovering over my house. And I'm like, okay, you can go now, you know, because you're rattling my whole damn house, you know? And after like five minutes, they left. And I don't know what the hell they were doing here. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going on, but... um, Were they using spotlights or anything or looking like they were trying to look at anything specific? No, it was just, you know what? If you didn't feel the percussion of the blades, the helicopter was so black, you wouldn't have seen it in the sky, you know? So they were in try- they were trying it. to hide probably, and maybe they're using some type of like thermo if they were looking for something rather than like a spotlight. Oh yeah, definitely thermo. Yeah, I mean, like I said, my my tactical flashlight is like uh, a fifteen hundred luma flashlight. You know what I mean? So I hit the helicopter with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I lit up the bottom of the chopper. That's how close they were to the house. You know? And I because where I live, we have a lot of prisons too. So when I hear a helicopter, first thing that comes to my mind is a jailbreak, you know? Lock the doors. <laughs> and, you know, well, that's why I went out with the nine, you know? But um, it wasn't that. It, they, there wasn't a searchlight. There wasn't more, more than one. I've seen the local state and police helicopters that they use when, there's, when they're tracking like a car chase or they're looking for somebody. All over the years, I've been mean, at 30 years, I've seen enough of them. It wasn't like the helicopter that was over my house. The helicopter that was over my house was like a, what you would call it, military helicopter. Yeah. Wow. So I know you're a little bit uh, time pressed today, so I guess I won't yeah. hold any more of your time, but I definitely want to do this sooner rather than later again to uh, get even more in depth with your stories and possibly, you know, when your son's not around, even if it's off air, you can yeah, tell me a yeah. little bit more with your other uh, oh, absolutely. different encounter. I, I've been, I feel, I feel safe enough now not that I'm retired, you know what I mean? That I can talk about it. It's been enough years where nothing has happened, you know, haven't had any more visitors or anything like that. So, um, but I just, but nobody in the house knows about it. I didn't tell anybody about it, you know? So yeah, don't scare the family. I've only told one research, one um, podcast, and I think it was a dude from like England or something, you know? So Yeah. So, uh, starting to wrap up a little bit, I always like to leave with uh, words of wisdom. So I know that you kind of did this last time you came on, but, uh, I don't know if you could think of anything else, or even if you reuse the same words, uh, what, what are some words of wisdom you might want to bestow on some, uh, inspiring researchers possibly? Okay. Um, everything is connected. It's all frequency, vibration, um, frequency, vibration, consciousness, and intent. So no matter what you're investigating, whether it's UFOs, Bigfoot, or paranormal, ghost hunting, whatever you want to call it, remember those four things and incorporate all four of those things into all your investigation, and you'll have a lot of success. Beautiful. That's even better. I remember it's totally different than last time. So 
even better that you were able to uh, throw it on the spot and uh, not repeat the same thing you did last time. So <laughs> I don't even remember what I said the last time, but you know. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so for anybody that's enjoyed the conversation and they want to dig into more of your research, uh, where can they come and find you and all of your research at? Well, we, we have, Brian's got us up on every social media site in the world. So um, we could go to the YouTube site to, to look at the videos of the UFO and the photographs of Nuclear Lake and, and all the evidence we had from there. Um, uh, and we also have, we have our website, um, BronxvilleParanormalSociety.com, um, Facebook. We have all of our groups on Facebook. I try to put up anything that's relevant to that particular group, whether it being Dogman stuff or Bigfoot stuff to that particular group. But um, everything goes up under the Bronxville Paranormal Society. That's the, that's the, the uh, umbrella. That's, not, that's the main group, you know? So everything is under that umbrella. So everything gets put up under there. So, you know, everything should be up there and, um, you know, see what happens. If they, you know, if you have any issues, you want to, you have any questions, you want to call bullshit on anything, don't hesitate to reach out to me on private or Facebook Messenger and ask me for to, to say what you have to say. Because listen, I I listen to anybody's opinion or if they're a debunker, if they're if not a debunker or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't fight with anybody. I'm open minded. I'm willing to listen to whatever thing everybody has to say, and you know. And we could we could agree to disagree, and we could have a discussion. As usual, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, man. And uh, I really appreciate you making the time to come on today. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you next time. Well, thank you, Shay. It's my pleasure, man. Hopefully, at uh, some any, point, any I can time. get you and Brian just, together because that would be a really cool uh, conversation to get both you guys together. Well, you you better start it like at four o'clock in the afternoon because <laughs> that, that thing is going to go for like four hours. <laughs> I'll make it happen just because I know it's going to be a great show. Believe me, uh, well, we get together. It's easy two hours with both of us, and sometimes we get on a roll. We could go like six hours, really. So you know, yeah, just you know, give me any time you want me. Just. Give me a shout. Shoot me some. Shoot me some dates, and I'll check my schedule. We'll see what's going on. I'm going out um, next month to a to a meetup in a Pine Bush. It's not a meetup. It's a a lecture. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Alexandra Holzer mm-hmm. from the Holzer Files. Yep. Well, I've met her a bunch of times over the years, and uh, she's doing a lecture in um, a place called Pine Bush, New York, which is like the New York State Capital UFO Capital. And they have a museum there. And um, so I'm going there. My wife and I are going. We're going to hang out, see what she has to say, you know, pick her brain, talk to her. I love her to death. She's the sweetest person in the world. And I'm also working on, um, you know, um, a couple of presentations. They, they wanted me to do a couple of presentations there. You know, um, unfortunately, uh, I don't know if Brian will be around for them, you know, um, um, so I think definitely won't be around for one. He may be around for another one. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah. And Brian and I, Brian wants to go to, um, Gettysburg battlefield bash and stuff. So we've got some stuff going on. Say, if you want me to include the links to any of these events too, of course, I can definitely throw them down in the show description. So if anybody's in the area, they can come and uh, check you guys out and possibly have a conversation with you guys. Yeah, if we, if we, if we you know, look, the guy who runs the museum, he's uh, 
a strange cat, you know what I mean? And uh, he's been promin us, promising us a lecture spot for years, and he never gets around to ever inviting us up there. Um, I don't know if, he, if it's me he doesn't like or if it's Brian he doesn't like or what, what the problem is. You know, we've always treated him with respect and um, bent over backwards for him. But um, yeah, so like when this guy reaches out to me and asks me for anything, I take it with a grain of salt, you know. But like I said, I'm going there anyway to see Alexandra. She's a good friend of mine. I'm going to support her and uh, just pick her brains. As I, I got the first time I met her, we had such a great conversation. We were doing the, it was the first year of the Pine Bush um, Paranormal Center, and she was the headliner, you know. And we were up right before her. And um, we, when she was done, I hung around to talk to her because my brother used to work with her father's right-hand man, Han Holtz's right-hand man. My brother was part of that clique, you know. And uh, so we started talking, talking, talking. And she she actually gave me one of her father's books. She goes, Alan, I want you to have this, like, my, one of my father's, one of my last of my father's books. Um, you know, they're not in print anymore. You can't find them, but I want you to have this. And I was like, no, I'm not worthy, you know. <laughs> I'm not worthy of Han Holzer's books, you know. Because I read them all because my brother had them anyway, you know. And she's like, no, no, I want you to have it. She autographed it for me. She, I guess I made that much of an impression on her. But she wanted to have, she wanted me to have it. So then I've worked with her on a couple of other investigations. Quick story, real quick. She was at an investigation, and I decided to do something totally different than all of the times I do it because I've already been to this location. I investigated it with all the bells and whistles and everything, right? So I said, this time I'm going to do something totally different. So she was leading a tour group from room to room to room. It was a big, old, old playhouse, you know, like a vaudeville kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I would run into the room before her, and I have all these um, meters that read the, what you would call it, all the different uh, environmental readings, right? Mm -hmm. And I would do, I would screenshot the, the, all of these different readings before she got in there. Then I would run out and I'd let her go in with the group. And as soon as she leave, I would go back in and screenshot the readings again. And all the readings were off the charts. And I did that in every single room she was in. And my environmental readings were fucking through the roof, man. If whatever energy she had with her or whatever her intent was, she brought it out in every single room that she went into. And um, she said to me at the end of the night, she goes, what the hell are you doing? I go, why? She goes, you're running in before me. You're running in after me. She goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing environmental readings. She goes, what do you mean? And I showed her all the readings. I had like a like, hundred different readings I'm doing, you know? And she's like, she's like what, what does this tell you? I said, you know what this tells me? That when you leave the room, everything is different. The whole energy of the room is different. She's like, oh man, you got to send me some of those screenshots. That's crazy. I was like, yeah, her energy changed the energy in every single room she went into. It's like she's a super antenna, not just an antenna, but a super antenna. (laughs) But, you know, she has that ability. She has abilities. You know, she's got psychic abilities and stuff like that. And her intent is to make contact. And she does. She, She makes contact, you know. I don't know who she's making contact with or what she's making contact with. But all I know is that when... 
she's done in, a one, in any particular room, the environmental readings are all off the charts. Sounds like somebody that you definitely want to have in your corner and do some investigating with. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I love her to death. I'd love to I'd love to I'd love to go out with her, you know, with just just me, her, and like a small group of investigators instead of, you know, a big meal of people because you always have to invite like a hundred people because they gotta pay her for her services, you know what I mean? <laughs> so they need somebody to pay her. But I mean, if we could just do like a small just like four or five different investigators with her on the team. Oh my God. I would go, I would love it. You could probably talk about that for hours and hours on a show too. <laughs> yeah. And I've been trying to get her. Brian keeps saying, I want her on my show. I want her on my show. I said, you just got, she, you know, I, I said, you have just have to tell me when, because you know, I I'm, I'm, I'm friends with her. I can get her on your show, but he never does a show. You know, he's always, He's always too busy to do one or he's either that or he's in Facebook jail or something, you know? <laughs> so, um, and, and never, we never got around to doing one. I mean, I would love to get her on a show, like an interview with me, her and Brian, that interview would go for hours. Hey, that's like, still like something I'd also be down hours. for too. If you guys are interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you would. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, let me go. I'm bullshitting too much now. Talk to you later. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show. And uh, if you guys leave a typed out review on iTunes, then I will give you guys a shout out on the show, of course. And uh, if you know any friends, of course, that would enjoy this episode, don't forget to share it with them. Um, Now that you've listened, now that you know what it's all about, uh, pass the love, spread the love. All appreciated here. Uh, If any of you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it fan art, uh, a conversation, anything, don't hesitate to shoot me a message. Uh, You guys can shoot me a message on Instagram, or you can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast.outlook.com, or you can go to the link tree and fill out the submission form, and that'll go directly to my email. Uh, Don't forget to check your spam or junk folders. Make sure that uh, my, my message doesn't get pushed that direction. I do respond to every single thing, so make sure you keep an eye out for it and make sure it doesn't get lost within your mailbox. Uh, everything that I've mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash increase of our reality podcast. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. 